Hi, Vicki Wu with Vicki Wu Marketing here with another great entrepreneur interview. I'm so excited to talk to Elena Henry with The Rightique and learn about her business and how she's grown it and hopefully give some tips for you on how you can do the same. This is Vicki Wu and as always, we're talking about the best tips for marketing your small business. Be sure to subscribe to our channel to be notified of the latest updates. Impassioned by her desire to improve equity in access to career development resources, Elena opened her business with the goal of helping disenfranchised job seekers obtain help to stand out in a really competitive market. She's got the experience working with a thousand plus professionals and she now leads a team of writers who transform bland resumes and LinkedIn profiles into powerful branding materials that help her clients secure interviews and competitive job offers. So Elena, it's really great to have you here with us today. And I kind of love this because a resume, a resume is marketing yourself. And I once heard those kind of old standard resumes where it just lists a, a list of things that you were responsible for as a, a career obituary. <laughs> and so I'm really excited since marketing yourself directs, deals directly with what we talk about. Thank you for having me, Vicki. I'm excited to be here. Um, my business started out as sort of a, a side hustle which I think a lot, for a lot of entrepreneurs, that's sort of how it takes off. I had been working in a high school as an English teacher. That's what my job was before sort of embarking on this adventure. And I decided to stay home with my first daughter. Um, and while I was home, I was finding the need to use my brain sort of creatively, keep those brain cells moving and decided to try my hand at sort of a writing and editing service. I had been someone who was relied on to proofread and edit all sorts of, of written pieces naturally because of my background in, in writing and in journalism and, and teaching English. And so I thought, well, hey, this is a great way to make, you know, 20 bucks, 30 bucks, 50 bucks helping people edit their, their papers. And I noticed that in terms of the requests that I was getting, I was getting a lot more requests for resume writing help. And, you know, I had always been interested in sort of career development. Um, when I was a teacher, I worked with my students on career development. We actually built out their very first resumes. We talked about, you know, career planning, but for, you know, high school students thinking about college. And I thought, well, maybe this could be a niche area for me. You know, sort of as a solopreneur, it was tough to figure out how to identify a target market and identify a niche. But once I found that niche, which was resume writing, I was able to kind of focus my efforts on that. So I started out with just myself. You know, after about two years, it was it was time to increase my staff. So I added an, another staff person, and now I have six staff members on my team. That you have six people. That's that's pretty amazing. So when you started your business, you said you know finding your niche. But beyond that, what were your initial marketing struggles? Um, I think my marketing struggles are probably struggles that that most solopreneurs deal with when they first start a business which was the fact that I, you know, didn't really have the capital 
to spend on marketing or advertising. You know, my goal with my business was to bring in more money for the household since I was no longer working full time. So I didn't have you know, a thousand dollars to spend on Google ads or whatever other ad advertising methods. So it was really kind of using word of mouth and, and trying to do things with limited funds, which was definitely challenging. I understand that completely. I hear it so often from any business that's just starting, and even ones that have been doing it a while, they still don't want to waste their resources. Learning how you can bootstrap and a really easy method. I tell people when you get your first client, your first payment, set aside 20% for marketing, advertising, whatever you want to do. You get another payment in the door, set aside another 20%. And pretty quickly you can start using that 20% for the different things you need. Understanding how you can bootstrap it just from your own money that your business is making is pretty important and not something that you hear often. So I'm glad you brought that up. Beyond, you mentioned that you now have a whole team of people. How else has your business grown and evolved to where you are now? Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, and, and I also liked the, if, if you don't mind, if I could go back and, and address the point that you had made previously about bootstrapping. Um, something that I didn't really know as a, as a new entrepreneur was exactly how much of my budget I should be allocating to what things. And so that's a really great point that you brought up. You know, I was often seeing flat rates like, oh, you know, you're going to need to spend approximately X amount of dollars. But when that wasn't really reachable or attainable for me at that time, I was struggling to figure out, okay, well, if I can't reach that marker, what is a reasonable sort of range for my current budget? And so I really uh, appreciate that you added that specific figure. To your question about how has my business has grown, um, one of sort of the turning points for my business was when I was actually able to get a website up and running. And I think for a lot of entrepreneurs, that's sort of the time when you really transform from that side hustle to an operating business. Um, in a more professional sense. I was able to bring in so many more clients. I was able to streamline processes and then, you know, adding, um, you know, different systems. I have a, a client management system now that makes things so much easier to onboard clients, which means I can bring on more clients over a period of time. So I would say that those two things, both the website and then getting like my back-end systems together has really transformed my company and allowed my business to grow. That's a huge piece of it, I know. I, I believe we both use the same CRM. That's kind of how we connected. That's one of the things I like about the specific one is that it has those unlimited workflows. And for me, that was the saving grace. I used others that limited you to three. And I'm like, I can't even tie my shoes with only three. So having those automations in place where I'm not having to remember it all, dump it out of my brain and then my brain can be used for other things. And to the website, you're so right. A website is pretty critical. I hear people give advice all the time that you don't need one if your business just use Facebook like a website. And those third-party platforms that you don't have control over, that's just a really bad idea. So starting with something at least basic and simple, and it doesn't have to be expensive. And then when you're ready, you can upgrade it and make it have more function, make it look nicer, make it SEO-friendly, all those other pieces. But yeah, that's kind of that point that to really dig in and 
push it forward, you've got to have that website in place. Glad you brought that up. How has COVID-19 and the pandemic this year impacted your business? What kind of shift and pivot have you had to make, if any? Some people haven't had any. What's it done for you? COVID-19 has been interesting for my industry in particular because naturally there were a lot of people who were fired or laid off from their jobs. Um, there was a lot of downsizing that was happening. And so our services were particularly necessary, um, you know, between I would say March and August. Business picked up substantially. There were a lot of people who were needing help to get back into the workforce and to get back into the workforce quickly. And so I was pretty busy in, in that time time frame when a lot of people were losing their jobs. Now, the fall has sort of been kind of a tricky situation. One, I think that some people have gotten their jobs, which we've seen that in jobs reports uh, recently. But also people are sort of leery about what the long-term implications are of what we've been seeing with COVID-19. So people are kind of holding their funds a little closer to the belt, so to speak. And so business has been a little bit slower. I think it's a combination of those factors, but but definitely from March to August, I mean, it was like, whoa, it was very busy. Most resume writers are remote anyway. Some do have office spaces where they can have in-person consultations, but for the most part, we handle our work online. So there wasn't a ton of adjustment that we needed to make on our end in order to still conduct business. I have found it very interesting. Out of all of these interviews that I've done since pandemic, quarantine, pulling things back, working at home, only one of the entrepreneurs who have come on the show had kind of a negative impact initially while she needed to take time. All the, everything she had done was in person. And so she needed to pivot completely to move from that to virtual. And, she, you know, she wasn't prepared for that. She had just gotten her business going with her in-person stuff. And then to quickly, after you get started, have to pivot. Even now, she's grown since then. And so I haven't had any entrepreneur come on here who has really said it's been a bad, you know, a big, bad, negative impact, which I think is great. And then there's businesses like yours, that it's a natural assumption that, yeah, resume writing would be more needed. At my last corporate job in real estate, it tends to be that at the like beginning of the year, new year, people go, they find a new broker in that case. And I would guess new year would see people looking at changing jobs as well. So I'd probably kind of get busy again. So I hope you're ready. We've come through all your growth and into this post-COVID world. What's your biggest marketing issue today? Sort of the flip side of that coin that we were just talking about with the increased business has been the struggle to actually have a concerted marketing effort outside of like paid advertising, right? Because I can't go to career fairs. I can't go to events and hand out flyers and speak to people. I can't do in-person critiques. I'm sort of limited to, well, what can I realistically do on my computer to find individuals who are in need of my services? Um, and so I think that that has probably been the trickiest thing, reaching out, like actually reaching out to potential clients. Naturally, there are people that come to me because they found my name somewhere, they Googled and happened to, to come to my website, but sort of that more intentional marketing has definitely been a struggle 
during this time frame because of COVID-related guidelines and things being canceled and things being virtual only. So it's a little bit more difficult to facilitate some of those things that I normally would have been able to do. What do you wish someone had told you about being an entrepreneur before you started? I think that there are probably two things that I wish I had caught on to much sooner than I did, which is number one would be the importance of like finding a support system and finding other entrepreneurs in a similar line of work to help support your growth. I sort of did my own thing. I'm comfortable doing my own thing. I've always been sort of an independent person, which is which is great. But there are also some downsides to kind of like working on your own, which is, you know, you have to figure things out on your own when you could have saved yourself some time if you had a network or a support group around you who said, oh, hey, just do it this way because this way won't work as well. And so I wish that I had been more intentional of about finding other people who were in the resume writing field who had been working for years and years so I could learn from them versus, you know, the trial and error. Um, And then I think the second thing is sort of related to that idea, investing in people who can actually help further your business, right? So, yes, I can create a website on my own and it might be okay, but I could maybe save myself 40 hours of time and hire someone who specializes in writing websites. I can spend hours on Canva trying to make an ad, or I could pay someone who is skilled in ad writing to actually make an ad for me. So I think uh, naturally there's sort of the balance between your budget and your expendable capital that has to happen, of course, but realizing that like your time is money, and if I had really kind of focused on bringing in more clients and working with more clients to get the funds to pay someone to do it better, it really probably would have benefited me in the long run more than me using all of my time and effort doing something that's really not in my wheelhouse just because I thought that that was going to save me money. That is so true, and it may save you money, but it's going to increase your headaches especially in the case of a website, I get two kinds of clients. Ones who maybe they've tried it on their own or they don't have one, but they also know they're not technical. And when they come to me and one of the things, you know, it's easy to get colors on a website, the actual structure and functionality of a website. And I sit down and talk through, you know, what do you want your website to do? Now we can get the look down, we can get the voice down, but like functionality and they have no idea some of the things it could do. And, you know, so I ask them, well, do you want to be able to, you know, have somebody message you on your website with a, a chat bubble? They're like, I can do that? Yes. <laughs> it's not even just that they didn't want the headache of doing it, but there was so much capability that they wouldn't have had if they had done it themselves. And then the other ones that I get a lot go the cheap route on paying a website and they hire someone overseas, which It is less expensive when you do it that way. But then they find out that there's a communication barrier. So sometimes they're not able to get across the idea of what they're wanting just because of communication. There's a time difference. So you can ask a question now and they'll answer it, you know, nine hours from now when they get into the office. You're already asleep by then. And then also it's kind of more because of some of those type of issues, it's kind of a little more cookie cutter. Your website is going to look just like everybody else. It's going to have the same copy as everybody else. It's kind of not as customized as maybe you would like it. And so sometimes, yeah, I mean, you do it yourself when you have to. 
obviously, but at some point, the value of your time per hour doesn't make sense to do like especially a big project like that that not everybody has the technical pieces kind of figuring out where that point is in your business where you just hand it over and there's things in my business that I can do I've got the knowledge the know-how I can do it pretty quickly but it's still not worth my time when I can hand it off to one of my team they maybe can't do the big overall strategy quite as well as I can because I have a lot, way too many years of experience and we won't go into how many. And I've kind of seen it all just because of quantity of years. They may not have as much experience with that, but they've got experience over here. Even though I can do that, it makes more sense to hand it off to them and pay somebody else to do it. Balancing that can be pretty important, not just that for your budget, but to move you forward. I want you to share now one or two tips. The two tips that I thought of uh, for today, one of them is actually really related to, to the realization that I had as a business owner. Um, I talked about the importance of finding a support group and people to connect with. In that same vein, when I work with clients, I help clients understand how important it is to be networking actively networking if you're hoping to find a job. I think with the digital age, there is often a tendency to use websites like Indeed and Monster.com and sort of get into the mass applying practice. And, you know, not only do statistics show that those methods aren't particularly successful, but anecdotally I have evidence that those methods aren't particularly successful. What is the most successful is connecting with people. And one of my mentors, she has this great um, expression that she often uses when she's talking about job searching. You need to find people, not jobs, right? People are what are what or who connect you to positions. Now, obviously, we're sort of in a situation where we're mostly staying at home or trying to stay at home for safety reasons. You can still actively network using LinkedIn, which is a fantastic tool. You know, so spend a little time, connect with people, see if they know of jobs that are open. Connect with alumni from your college or university who may be working in the field that you're hoping to break into or working at a specific company where you're hoping to break into. You know, commenting, posting statuses, engaging with people, building a relationship. Networking is so critical, and, and I think a lot of people think that sort of skipping that step and going right into, you know, putting my resume and all these different places are going to help me get my dream job. And the reality is, is, is that's not very likely. Can it happen? Of course. But, but really connecting with others and, and working with people is really the best strategy. And then I think something else really that could also be related to marketing, knowing your goal, being confident in your ability to achieve that goal, and then coming up with a cohesive strategy to reach that point. You know, cutting corners, while it may serve you well in the short term, right, just going to Indeed, not updating your resume, just kind of shooting it out there and just hoping something lands, that may work in the short term temporarily or seem like it might work, but in the long term, you're actually doing yourself a disservice. A comprehensive job search strategy means taking time to pause, Think about, okay, what is it that I want? What are my non-negotiables? Am I willing to relocate? Am I wanting something that's remote? What sort of work environment do I want? What sort of salary is like my absolute bare minimum? All of those things 
are important to kind of frame your mind around what you're going to accept and not accept. And then you can again start to strategize, okay, well now that I know what I'm okay with and what I want, then how do I start planning for actually getting to that point? Then you can work on your branding documents and ensure that like you've spoken to your personality and your skills and then you can start actually using that document to target jobs that you're looking for. Something that I learned as an entrepreneur, that idea of taking the time to like think through a marketing strategy um, and a plan versus sort of haphazard, just I'm like shooting stuff here and I'm doing stuff there, um, are similar things that I've had to, to tell clients are keys to success. And then also sort of giving yourself grace and recognizing like things are not going to change on a dime. Sometimes clients can get into a mindset where they are feeling like a failure because they haven't found a job as quickly as they'd hoped. And I think sort of setting realistic expectations for yourself and understanding that the average job search is at least six months long. Two weeks is, is really very short, and I know it feels like a lifetime when you're thinking about bills and you're thinking about all the other things you need to pay for. That's really not a ton of time. Centering yourself around intentionality in my search and giving myself grace and connecting with other people who can help me and support me. Those are all great tips, and they work kind of like you alluded to, not just for people in a job search, but entrepreneurs as well. On the networking piece, I've networked before with people and just kind of stayed in contact with them. And then suddenly, one, after four years, he switched careers and started a new business and called me up and he's like, hey, Vicki, I need a website. And I was like, wow, like he's not even someone I was selling to because he wasn't in a position that he needed that. And so... Sometimes that networking crops up, like even later, maybe you go through the job search and, and you get a position now because sometimes you have to change your, your goals and desires a little bit. If, yeah, if you've got a family to feed, maybe you have to take something that doesn't tick all the boxes. But maybe in two years, one of those people you networked with remembers you because you've kept in contact with them and you keep networking and then the perfect one does come open and it just falls in your lap. I love it when things just, it's like the universe conspiring to make you successful and things just like land in your lap. It's awesome. Definitely on the cutting corners, kind of you need a focus strategy no matter what you do. If all you can do right now is kind of throw things at the wall and hope something sticks, that's better than nothing. But at some point, you, you have to kind of step back, pause, and say, okay, what do I really want to get out of this? Now that I have a little time, I can really strategize and make it better. Step back and do that pause. And I loved how you talk about have a realistic thought on the job search process. You were saying it takes about six months to get a job. I see a lot of entrepreneurs and some of the online communities where I share advice and they'll say, oh, I started my business, set up my website two weeks ago, and I haven't gotten a single sale. I can't believe this. What's going on? And I just kind of nod my head and remind them that in kind of general across the board, you can expect to not achieve a profit for a year at least. And so you 
do have to kind of have some of that realistic expectation going on. Can you build it and people come like Wendy says? Um, yeah, it happens. It, it happens, but it's few and far between. The rest of the people are putting in the work and sweat and tears for more than 40 hours a week for their first year to turn a profit. And then once you do, it starts snowballing after that. And that's why people become an entrepreneur. It has a great payoff. And I'm not talking just money. I'm talking lifestyle, the ability to choose what you want to work on, when you want to work on it, have that flexibility, who you want to donate to maybe. All of that is beautiful, but you need to be a little bit realistic when you jump into it. So now I want to know if you have a question for me on marketing or anything business or life in general. My question is sort of related to SEO. I feel like there's a lot of information out there, often conflicting information about SEO and what's critical for an entrepreneur and sort of how to approach SEO. I obviously have researched keywords. I've tried to implement those on my website. I'm not sure, do I need to start making pages that are hidden, but that have lots of keywords to improve my ranking on Google? Like what is the best technique? I have used an SEO writer. I don't even know how to measure really whether they were good. So I just sort of am lost in, in, that, in that sense. That is a good question. And again, kind of one of those that I get all of the time. And one of the worst things you can do is accidentally follow some advice you find online that is black hat SEO or even like gray hat SEO. If, if you don't do SEO, you won't know that's the case. You'll see advice. You'll see people saying it had worked. And a lot of those strategies worked a decade ago. And now Google actually penalizes you for them. You could like put all this work in and now it's actually getting you penalized, which is even worse than where you started at. And I actually had one of the clients I was working with, one of their vendors had done some gray hat SEO strategy. They were gray hat at the time it was done and they actually got a Google penalty that we had to go back and clean up the, the things and we got the penalty removed. I mean, their website was not shown on search, zero, not a. So we got the penalty removed by cleaning up the problem and fixing that. And it's hard, if you don't know SEO, you don't know what's good information and what's bad information. Now, the information I share with you will always be good. I'm just saying that because I do all the research. <laughs> And no, um, I'm going to answer one of your questions directly. No, do not have hidden pages stuffed with keywords. Black hat strategy, that will get you dinged by Google and it will be worse than not doing anything. One of the best things you can do, first, get an SEO audit. We offer those for free and it goes over the technical back-end pieces that let you know, can your website even be found by Google? I've had two separate clients in the past year come to me confused why their website, they had paid somebody to do their website. That person wasn't in charge of putting content, you know, new content or doing SEO or anything. They paid for the website and then they came requesting an SEO audit. And when we talked, they're like, I'm not showing up on Google at all. Like you can search my business name and I'm not showing up. 
and you should show up at that point. And so I ran the audit and we found technical issues that were actually telling the search engines not to crawl the website. Some web designers will initially set it up like that so that they can actually be putting the website together live and you're able to view it, but Google's not finding it before it's done. That's what had happened in this case, but the person then forgot. They didn't have like a little workflow checklist like I know you and I work from. They forgot to undo that when it was handed off. So a technical audit for those things that we have a scanner that scans the website and tells us all the technical pieces and are there things that need to be fixed. It ranks them how critical they are or if they're not critical. And so we provide that report and it has links if you want to do it yourself. There is information out there, so it'll have a link to good information where this item is critical, you need to fix it. There's a link to good information where you can find out how to do it. But then, of course, our SEO packages for the people who don't know how to do it, don't want to do it, they can instead have us go in and make the fixes. So making sure your technical pieces are at a good, solid starting point is important. The other thing, and this is where the entrepreneurs can do it themselves. So many, you know, kind of hear SEO, they know it's technical and it's stressful and overwhelming. And like you said, you go search Google and there's millions of pages and you don't know which ones are good information and which ones are questionable. Google's algorithm has gotten so smart. One of the best things you can do is they like new content. So writing a blog post, okay, once a month, once a week, however often that you can kind of have new, fresh content regularly. Write it to real humans. Don't worry so much about their search engine algorithm. Yeah, you want a keyword kind of, you know, the topic that you're going to talk about. And you want to make sure that topic word is included in your headline, in your page. But don't worry quite so much about, oh, I need it three times in this, and I need it here, and I need it there. Write like you write to a person. And then there's a couple strategies you can use that could help you get seen in Google's answer box. To me, more friendly for voice search. The biggest thing on voice search is that used to you'd look up a one-word keyword, and now people when they talk and do a voice search, they're doing a whole phrase or a whole entire question. Hey, Google, how do I blah, 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 blah question? Understanding that so that when you're writing, you're kind of writing towards those ideas. And I've got a couple free walkthrough videos on those two topics on my website. Tells you kind of how we make it happen for our clients. And the biggest one that Google is implementing now has to do with the customer journey. So if you think about the sales funnel, the marketing funnel, everybody has one, even if you don't have digital software that's labeled funnel, you still have a funnel going on. If you're selling anything, it exists. But if you think about the different points in the funnel where people are in their journey, the awareness stage where they're just realizing that maybe they have a problem that they need to go start researching. And then they move further and they're doing the comparison stage to where they found a couple people who solved that problem, but now they need to see, do I want this one or that one? And then moving on to the transaction stage where they're actually choosing you, they're purchasing your service. So while you're writing for each blog post or whatever you're doing, if you can figure out which of those 
content pillars is what we call them, that that particular article would fall into. It shouldn't ever fall into all three. It, it may overlap, but you should choose one. Like this article is why you need marketing strategy. That's going to be in the awareness because it's a why you need it, and that's where somebody would be searching. And then what I'm going to do at some point is write articles for the other two pillars, and then I'm going to interlink them. So they're on the awareness one. I'm talking about why you need a marketing strategy. I'm going to link it to the next one in kind of a series of maybe how you develop a strategy and how you choose someone to help you develop a strategy, kind of those kind of things. And then that one I'm going to actually link to a page with like my packages and the prices. That's really the best thing you can do is write it for humans. Yeah, make sure the word that you know somebody's going to search. It needs to be in there. But write it for humans and write it for where they are in their journey because Google is now understanding that. That's part of what Google's implementing with that kind of user intent is what they call it. So that's really the best tip is write for humans understanding where they are in their journey and then interlink so that they can flow themselves kind of through your website to a purchase. And that will also help your SEO. So before we wrap up, I want you to share how our audience can get in touch with you and we will have links down in the description area. Yeah, yeah. Um, I loved what you were talking about in that in that last little bit about understanding the client journey and sort of breaking things into those different buckets. That was really great uh, perspective there that I'll implement. Um, and in terms of uh, how to contact me, the best way to contact me is probably LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn a lot. And so, of course, you know, the www.linkedin.com slash in um, Elena Henry, it's just my first and last name together as my um, extension for that. Um, I can always, I'm great with email too, so um, Elena at the right com is my email address. And then I'm also on Instagram and Twitter. My handles are at the right um, so you can find me there. You can send me a DM or, or scroll through and look at my content. Um, any of those ways work. I'd love connection requests, so you can just shoot me a note and connect with me on LinkedIn and um, I can be a part of your network and we can work on those networking skills. Great information that you have shared with us here today and even for people who maybe they don't need to write a resume at this point. I get a lot of entrepreneurs on the show, but they know someone who needs a resume. One of the best things is I keep my profile updated on LinkedIn, which is basically an online resume because it's one of the places that people go research me when they're deciding if they want to work with me. So even that service, and I bet you could do a better job on mine than I've done on it, so even that kind of service is helpful. But yeah, that networking, people know people who are going to need your resume service to help them really get what they want and really strategize on how to build it up get it there. So I'm so glad that you joined us today. Check again the links in the description if you want to connect. And as always, if you have a marketing question, you can drop your question down below in the description comment area 
or you can visit our website, vickywoo.marketing, and in the bottom right corner, there's a chat bubble icon. You can always ask your question there, and I'll try to answer you directly, and I may even use your question on an upcoming episode.